Well, good evening. Welcome to our Wednesday night Bible study. We are so thankful that you're part of tonight's class. We are doing a series on Wednesday nights called Jesus, My Example in a Life Interrupted. We're talking about Jesus, obviously being our example, fixing our eyes on Jesus, learning from the way he handled life's interruptions, learning how he handled all of the obstacles, all of the pitfalls, all of the challenges of life, because sometimes life doesn't go the way that we expect it to. And so when our life doesn't go as we expect, we look to Jesus. And speaking of interruptions, we're actually doing some construction here at the church building today. So you might hear a little bit of noise in the background. We might get interrupted just a little bit, but it's all an exciting part of the, the growing process. So we're going to try to deal with that as we go through tonight's lesson. But again, we're so thankful that you're here. Tonight, we're going to talk about Jesus' humanity. You know, sometimes when we talk about Jesus, we emphasize his deity, which is good. In other words, we, we focus on the fact that Jesus is God. He is the second person of the Godhead. We talk about the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and we talk about Jesus being deity. We talk about Jesus being God. But in order to really understand the beauty of the gospel and how Jesus has reconciled us to the Father, we also have to understand his humanity, that that's just as important as understanding his deity. In understanding that Jesus is 100% God and 100% man, we are overwhelmed with gratitude in what Jesus has done for us. Because Jesus, as a man, had every weakness that we have. Jesus was flesh, flesh and blood. And when we say flesh, we don't just mean that he had skin. Of course, that's true as well. But Jesus had flesh, or Jesus was flesh, in the sense that he was mortal. He was, he was perishable. He had weaknesses. And he struggled with obedience. I know that's a hard concept for us to understand or to think about, but Jesus struggled to be obedient because he was flesh, just as we all struggle to be obedient. When we talk about obedience, obedience is both doing the things that we should do and not doing the things that we should not do. And because Jesus was flesh, he struggled. He, he suffered. It was a challenge for him to do the things he was supposed to do and not to do the things that he was not supposed to do, just as for us, it's a struggle to be obedient, to do the right thing, to be who we're called to be, to live as we're called to live, to do what we're called to do. It's a struggle for all of us to be obedient. And Jesus went through that struggle. He went through that struggle before us, and he went through that struggle on our behalf. The difference between Jesus' struggle with obedience and my struggle with obedience or your struggle with obedience is that Jesus did it perfectly. He didn't give in to the struggle. He was obedient in every way. He did all of the things that he was supposed to do and none of the things that he was not supposed to do. But it was still a struggle. It was still something that he had to suffer through, that he had to struggle through, because just like you and I, Jesus was fleshly. He had his flesh, and that means he had weakness. That means for him, doing the right thing was still a challenge. It was still hard. He had to suffer. 
So I just want us to spend a few minutes tonight, even before we get to the text, and think about in what ways we struggle to be obedient. So here's the question that I want to start with. In what ways do you most struggle with obedience? In what ways do you most struggle with obedience and doing the things you're supposed to do and not doing the things that you're not supposed to do? Maybe, maybe you struggle with your eyes, looking at things you shouldn't look at, seeing things you shouldn't see, having a habit of going to certain websites and looking at certain things or watching certain videos. And you know you shouldn't do those things, but you have this struggle and, and you do the things that you're not supposed to do. Or maybe your struggle is more with your mouth and saying things that you're not supposed to say. Not saying the good things that you should say, the encouraging things that you should say, or speaking about Jesus the way that you know you should be speaking about him. Maybe you struggle to say the right things, to say good, wholesome, uplifting, loving things. Or you struggle with saying things that are sarcastic and rude and hurtful and that tear people down. Maybe your struggle is with your mouth. Maybe your struggle is with your hands in being as generous as you should be and using your hands to build up and to help and to do good things. Maybe you struggle to not do bad things with your whole self or to do the good things with your whole self that you should do. We all struggle to be obedient. But I want us to not just think in generalities tonight. I want us to spend some time thinking about how we specifically, how you specifically struggle to be obedient. Maybe spend some time even tonight writing it down in a list, writing down these are the ways I most struggle with obedience. Or maybe for the sake of tonight's discussion and lesson, maybe just write down or think about one way you most struggle with obedience. In what way do you most struggle with obedience? Maybe it's generosity. Maybe it's the way you speak. Maybe it's in sexuality. Whatever it is, we all struggle with obedience. That doesn't mean that you've necessarily given in to that thing that you're tempted with. It just means you struggle. You struggle to be obedient. And then when we struggle to be obedient, to do the good things that we're supposed to do or to refrain from doing the things we shouldn't do, we look to Jesus as our example, because Jesus perfectly fulfilled his calling. He did exactly what he was supposed to do, and he didn't do what he was not supposed to do. And that therein lies our salvation. We are saved not because of our own obedience, but we're saved because of his obedience. We're saved because of the grace of God. We're saved because Jesus did what he was supposed to do. He fulfilled the covenant. He he lived out the life that he was supposed to live out, and thereby he saved us. And so we are saved by his obedience. But sometimes we struggle with talking about obedience or grace, and we act like it should be one or the other, that we should talk about grace and how we're saved by God's grace, and we're saved by all of the wonderful things God through Jesus has done for us, and God is merciful, and God is loving, and we're saved because of that. And it's true. All of those things are true. And every word we say should be dripping with grace because God longs and loves to show us his grace. And it's only by the grace of God that you and I can be children of his through what Jesus 
has done for us. It is his obedience by which we are saved. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't talk about obedience. Obedience is incredibly important. If we are not obedient, then we are rejecting the grace of God. We can only receive the grace of God and live in the grace of God and walk in the grace of God if we're striving to live obediently. This is the only way we live as grateful recipients of God's grace. And so just as much as we need to talk about grace and forgiveness and mercy and the obedience of Jesus, we also need to talk about our own obedience and living the way we're called to live and doing what we're called to do and refraining from living in sin. And so as we go through this lesson tonight, and as we think about how Jesus lived obediently and how we should emulate his obedience, we also need to think about how we can do that, how we can live out that obedience, how we can be the people that God calls us to be. So one of the passages I want us to think about is Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 8. This is actually a verse we talked about this morning in our morning devotional, and it says, Although Jesus was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. And I love that phrase, he learned obedience. In other words, he experienced obedience. He came to know obedience. He, he became acquainted with obedience through what he suffered. And that's really the only way that you can learn obedience or become acquainted with obedience or know obedience is by suffering, by doing things that are hard, by going through things that are hard, by going through things that hurt. I used as an example this morning that if I tell my kids to go and play their video games, if I say, go play your video games for an hour, and they go and play their video games for an hour, they, they really haven't been obedient they haven't learned obedience. They really haven't experienced obedience. They haven't become acquainted with obedience because they wanted to play video games anyway. That's what they wanted to do. That's what their flesh wanted to do. So they were just doing what they wanted to do, and it just happened to coincide with what I told them to do. Now, if I tell them, stop playing your video game and take out the trash or clean your room, now they're having to do something that's hard. They're having to struggle. They're having to suffer. They're having to, it may not be too much suffering, but they have to do something that's difficult. They have to deny their flesh. They have to deny their desires. And that's when they begin to experience or learn or become acquainted with obedience is because they're suffering. They're going through something hard. And the greater the suffering, the more we are learning or experience experiencing obedience when we do what we're called to do and live how we're called to live. And so Jesus learned obedience through what he suffered. He became acquainted with obedience through what he suffered. He, he knew obedience through what he suffered. And the Hebrew writer's point is that we are the same way, that the only way we are going to learn obedience or experience obedience is by going through hardship and struggle and being persecuted and having to do the right thing even when it's a hard thing, even when it's something we don't want to do or don't want to go through. And Jesus went through challenges that we can't even really fathom or understand. And so our suffering does not even begin to compare with the suffering that Jesus experienced. And so, of course, 
our obedience, even when we do what we're supposed to do, doesn't compare with Jesus' obedience because he suffered so much more than we suffer. Let's look at our primary text this evening. Again, I apologize for the for the sound in the background, but Matthew chapter 26 and verse 36 is where Jesus goes to the garden with his disciples to pray on the night that he knows he's going to be arrested and soon he's going to be crucified, nailed to a cross. And he knows what's coming and he knows what he's about to suffer. And yet he goes and he prepares himself to go through that suffering. He prepares himself for obedience. And that's exactly what we should do, isn't it? We should prepare ourselves for obedience. And here's how Jesus prepared himself for obedience. Look at verse 36. Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. A couple things to notice. One is that Jesus prepared himself for obedience by praying, by spending time in prayer. And two, Jesus prepared himself for obedience by surrounding himself with other people who also were preparing themselves for obedience, who also wanted to be obedient. Now, we're going to see that his disciples fall asleep and they're weak, just like you and I have this tendency to be weak and their flesh is weak and they, they fall asleep. But, but Jesus is surrounding himself with others. He's surrounding himself with support. Obedience is most difficult in isolation. Obedience is most difficult in isolation. It's really hard. It's really hard to be obedient when we are or we feel like we're doing it alone. That's why we did a sermon not too long ago and we were looking at Hebrews 11 and 12 and the Hebrew writer reminds his audience who's struggling to be obedient, that they are surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. And you and I are also surrounded by a cloud of witnesses, but it helps. It helps to surround ourselves physically. Sometimes right now, obviously, we're, we're having to be distant from a lot of people, but ordinarily, we, we can surround ourselves with others. But sometimes we try to be obedient in isolation. Sometimes we try to be obedient by ourselves. We need to surround ourselves with each other, surround, each other, surround ourselves with encouragement. And when you know that someone else is struggling to be obedient, when you know that someone else is struggling with temp- temptation, they're struggling to do the right thing, they're struggling to not do the wrong thing, then we need to exhort them. We need to encourage them. We need to build them up. We need to surround them and support them and pray with them and pray for them. That's how Jesus was preparing himself for obedience. And if Jesus had to prepare himself for obedience, don't we? Don't we even more? Jesus, who's 100% God and 100% man, had to prepare himself to drink this cup of suffering that was coming his way. And if he had to prepare himself for that obedience, then you and I have to prepare ourselves for obedience as well. Verse 39, it says, And going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed, My father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. So sometimes we spend a lot of time focused on Jesus saying, Let this cup pass from me. And I think that's significant. Jesus is telling his father exactly 
how he's feeling, exactly what he wants. He wants to not drink this cup of suffering. If there's another way, let's use that other way because my flesh doesn't want to go through this suffering and this pain. And why would it? How could it? How could anyone who has a desire for self-preservation want to go through an ordeal like this? But don't miss the end of Jesus' prayer here. He prays, not as I will, but as you will. Those three words, focus on those three words, as you will. That's a prayer of obedience. That's a prayer that prepares us for obedience, as you will. I want to do what you want me to do. Jesus taught his disciples to pray that God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And now Jesus is living out that prayer. It's one thing for us to pray, Our Father who's in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And it's another thing to live out that prayer. And Jesus does both. He both prays for God's will to be done and he submits so that God's will can be done through him and in him. This is what obedience looks like. This is exactly what obedience looks like. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. That's the heart of obedience. That's why Jesus is our Savior. But that's also why and how he is our example, that we would do the same thing, that we would pray in the same sort of way, that we would tell God how we're feeling and what our flesh wants, but we would also say, nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. That's obedience. The obedience of a child, a child's obedience is when the child says, I'm not going to do what I want to do. I'm going to do what you want me to do, Father. And that's what Jesus is doing. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. So when you think about your struggles with obedience, to do the things that you're supposed to do, or to not do the things that you're not supposed to do, when you think about those things we discussed at the beginning of this lesson, and you think about your own struggles with obedience, consider this. Have you prayed, not as I will? but as you will, Father. Look at verse 40. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, So could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. That right there is the heart of obedience or disobedience. The will of the flesh versus the will of God. Which will you obey? Which will you give into? Jesus' flesh also struggled. Jesus' flesh was also weak, but he pushed through. He persevered. He was long-suffering. He was obedient anyway. And our flesh is weak, and we've all given in to the flesh, and our flesh has won so many times. But Jesus encourages them, and this is what we need to do with each other, is encourage each other, admonish each other to stay strong, to stay awake. Are you going to fall asleep? Are you going to stay awake with Jesus? Are you going to push on? Are you going to persevere? Again, we're not saved because we've done it right, because we haven't done it right. But because we are saved, we want to be obedient with Jesus. We want to live out as 
grateful recipients of the grace of God, we want to live out this sort of obedience where we say no to the flesh and yes to the Spirit of God. Look at verse 42. Again, for the second time, he went away and prayed, My Father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. Again, a couple things. First is that Jesus keeps praying. He keeps praying because obedience is not a sprint. It's a marathon. Obedience is not a sprint. It's a marathon. And we have to keep persevering. We have to keep long-suffering. We have to be patient. We have to fix our eyes on Jesus. We have to persevere and keep going. And he keeps praying, your will be done. If this cup cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. I want to do what you have called me to do. I want to be who you've called me to be. Verses 43 and 44. And again, he came and found them sleeping for their eyes were heavy. So leaving them again, he went and prayed for the third time, saying the same words again. This reminds me of 2 Corinthians chapter 12, in which Paul is talking about his thorn in the flesh and how he prayed to God three times that it would be removed from him. But the answer came back to him, my grace is sufficient for you. For God's grace is made perfect in weakness. And again, God's people have always struggled with the thorns in the flesh, with the hardship, with the struggle, with the suffering. And obedience is doing the Father's will and seeking the Father's will anyway, prioritizing the Father's will over the will of the flesh. And that's what Jesus is doing here. He is prioritizing the Father's will over his own will. He's prioritizing the Father's will over the will of his flesh. Of course, he doesn't want to suffer. Of course, he doesn't want nails driven in his hand and nails driven in his feet. But he knew that the only way to bring salvation, the only way to redeem God's people, the only way to save us was to drink this cup of suffering. And he knew that was his father's will. And so he was obedient because he prioritized the will of his father over the will of his flesh. Verse 45, Then he came to the disciples and said to them, Sleep and take your rest later on. See, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. And Jesus pressed on. He pressed on to the cup, and he drank the cup of suffering. I love the way Paul puts it in Philippians 2 and verse 8. It says, He was obedient to the point of death even death on a cross. He was obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Will we be obedient to the point of death? Will we prioritize the Father's will above our own? What's more important to us? Doing what we desire to do, doing what we want to do, doing what we feel like doing, or doing the Father's will? So here's how I want us to end with this question is, who's will wins. Whose will wins? Your flesh has a will. There are things your flesh desires, things that aren't necessarily bad in and of themselves, but things that if we act on and we live by and we indulge become sinful things. And and so we have to prioritize and say, what's more important to me? 
Who would I rather please, my flesh, my desires, or God, my Father, the one who has saved me and redeemed me and poured his grace out on me? Whose will wins? Does God's will win or does the will of my flesh win? This is exactly what Paul is describing in Galatians 5. Go and spend some time reading Galatians 5. And he talks about the works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit. That this is what it looks like when you walk in the flesh, when you fulfill the desires of the flesh. And this over here, love and joy, peace and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. This is the fruit of walking in the Spirit, walking by the Spirit. So we have to decide, are we going to fulfill the desires of our flesh, or are we going to walk by the Spirit and do our Father's will? Whose will wins? So again, go back to that list, that list you made in your mind. Maybe it's one thing, maybe it's a dozen things. In what ways do you struggle to be obedient? In what ways do you most struggle with obedience? And then think about those things that you struggle with. And then ask yourself, whose will wins? And ask yourself, are you preparing to be obedient? Again, think about the ways that Jesus prepared to be obedient. What did he do? He surrounded himself with people who would pray with him and pray for him even though they failed in their weakness to stay awake and pray. That's what Jesus did. And if Jesus implored people, pray with me, pray for me, pray for yourselves. This is a night of temptation and testing. Stay awake and pray. And if Jesus prepared himself for obedience in that way, how much more so or how much in the same way should you and I surround ourselves with people who will pray with us and pray for us. When's the last time that you had something that you were really struggling with and you wanted to be obedient, you knew how to be obedient, you knew what God wanted for you and of you, but you didn't think to pray. We we sing a song, don't we, sometimes? That's the question of the song over and over again is, did you think to pray? One line says, when you've met with great temptation, Did you think to pray? Do you surround yourself with other people to pray with you and pray for you? And are you doing the same thing for other people? What if their obedience, what if the obedience of your spouse or the obedience of your children or the obedience of your preacher or your elders or your deacons or your brothers and sisters in Christ, your congregation, what if their obedience is impacted by whether or not you're praying for them and supporting them and helping them to overcome the weaknesses of their flesh. Number two, tell God how you feel. So not only surround yourself with people who will pray with you and pray for you, but tell God exactly how you're feeling. Tell him what you want. Tell him what your flesh wants. Tell him your temptations. Tell him your struggles. Tell him, I don't want to do this. I'm struggling with this. This is hard. This hurts. Tell him. He is there. His throne of grace is there. And you have the access to his throne of grace so that he can help you in your time of need. Confess your need. Sometimes we, we put up just as much of a facade 
and just as much of a charade with God as we do with each other. And when somebody asks us, how you doing? We say, oh, I'm fine. I'm, I'm good. I'm doing all right. Doing just fine. And we do the same thing in our prayer life sometimes. We don't even tell God how we're feeling. We don't even tell God what we're wanting. We don't even tell God what we're struggling with. We don't tell our Father. He wants us to confess our struggle and our weakness. If Jesus prayed, let this cup pass from me. If Jesus said, I'm really struggling with this. I know this cup is what I've been preparing and planning to drink. This cup of suffering, this cup of sorrow, this cup of woe. I know this is what I'm supposed to do. I know what, it's, what I've been preparing to do, but I would really rather that it pass from me. I'd really rather there be some other way. If Jesus needed to pray that, don't we need to pray that as well? So surround yourself with people who will pray with you and pray for you and tell God how you feel. But number three, pray for his will to be done. May your will be done as you will. Because that's the real question, isn't it? Whose will wins? Whose will wins? Does the will of your flesh win? Or does the will of God win? And sometimes it comes down to whether or not we're willing to pray about it and willing to press on and keep praying about it and keep telling God how we feel and keep surrounding ourselves with brothers and sisters who will pray with us and pray for us and keep praying as you will. And you say, but it's hard. It hurts. It's a struggle. It's been going on for years. Yes, obedience is a marathon, not a sprint. And it's one minute at a time. It's one day at a time. It's one week at a time. And sometimes temptation, they're like waves. And one minute you're feeling pretty good and you're feeling on top of the world and you think, I can be obedient. I can do this. I can live this life that I'm called to live. And then something hits you and like a wave it washes over you and then you're overcome with weakness. Do it again. Call your friends, text your friends, pray with me, pray for me. I'm struggling to be obedient or I messed up and I failed. And of course, we're relying on the grace of God and the obedience of Jesus and what he has done, what he is doing and what he will do. But we're all striving to be obedient, to live in this way as grateful recipients of God's grace. And so when you fall down, ask him to pick you up. When you're feeling weak and you feel like you might fall again, ask him to make you strong. Tell him exactly how you're feeling and pray for his will to be done. Father, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, in my home as it is in heaven, in my heart as it is in heaven, with my hands as it is in heaven, with my life as it is in heaven. May your will be done. The only way to live this sort of life is to fix our eyes on Jesus. He is our example in our life that so often is interrupted. But we don't have to do it alone. You're not doing it alone. You are surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. Not only the brothers and sisters, God's people who've gone on before us, but your brothers and sisters that are living now here at McDermott Road and all over the world. You're surrounded by people who are also struggling and striving to be faithful, to be obedient. So let's help each other. 
pray for each other and encourage each other to keep our eyes on Jesus and to live obedient lives. We love you. Thank you so much for being part of our class tonight. Hope that you have a wonderfully blessed rest of the week and I hope to see you on Sunday. Take care. God bless.